This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. Unlike those other radio talk shows that want to charge you for access to their websites, we do it on the house, freetalklive.com. Now then. Gardner Goldsmith joining us for yet another Monday edition of the show. Great to be here. <sighs> I'm hoping. I've got my fingers crossed on this one. We are going uh, zero for uh, zero for three so far. <laughs> you were sick one week. Yeah. The next week you couldn't get here because of a flood. Yeah. And then after the first segment of our show last week, the ISDN line took a dive. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I must be like Magneto. I got this energy or something. I don't know. I think we've gotten through it at this point, and even yeah. if even if the ISDN line goes out tonight, we've got our backup system in place, so... It's a big megaphone. We will not be going away tonight. Yeah, we'll be out there going, so hey, here's the deal! <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. So, alright, so we're back, uh, back in action. You can, of course, take control. Bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. Now then, uh, we're going to start things out with the latest on the case that we... Well, I guess we broke to you on Saturday night... It has to do with the D.C. madam. As you might recall, I think it was last year, they busted this lady in uh, in Washington, D.C., Pamela Martin and Associates was the name of her business. As we like to call her, Pam, or Pammy, you know, for her friends. Is that your little or, pet name for her? Yeah, sort of like Pamela Smart, too. We also call her Pam. That was You're on the like, first name basis with this uh, <laughs> madam? What can I tell you? Does she call you L.G. Grande? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> I wonder if she gave you that nickname. <laughs> That's what I was about to suggest. Maybe That's where it came from. Right, right. But apparently this lady's got some connections. Apparently she knows more than a handful of people in the Washington, D.C. area. And now things are about to get a little bit nasty. Because they've brought, the, uh, they brought her up on charges. And right as soon as they brought her up on charges, she immediately came out with the information of prostitution charges. Yeah. Uh, charging her with running a brothel, basically. Yeah. Uh, she she immediately came out and said, "Okay, well, you want to bring me up on charges? That's fine. I've got this little black book here. I've been with... holding for just such an emergency. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've got uh, what is it? Like fifteen thousand different phone numbers or something like that. Ooh. She's got she's got years worth of of phone records essentially, and she's she, so she of course threatened to uh, to sell that off to the highest bidder. Yeah. Well, the court immediately." The prosecutors, uh, get a little nervous. They weren't what about the politicians <laughs> and the m- money they give us? I don't know what they thought. I don't know why they thought that this uh, experienced Washington, D.C. madam was just going to roll over and you know allow herself to be pushed around by exactly. the prosecutors. They're, they're the prosecutors, and they have all the power. That's why they thought that. And God knows she was probably a lot smarter with the names and private information than, say, the VA was last year with their mm. data. But, hey, she can do with it what she wants. Well, she's not going to get pushed around. She came out and offered to sell the names to the highest bidder. The court immediately slapped an injunction on her saying that uh, you cannot profit from selling these. If you profit from this, we are just going to take the money from you. And, by the way, they've frozen a lot of her assets anyway, and this yeah. was the reason she was going to sell it was because they froze her assets, so she she's having a tough time yeah. paying for a lawyer and all of those other things that she has to do to defend herself. And so, basically, faced with virtually no other options at this point, she has gone to ABC News and given them the exclusive deal on distributing now, the name. Here's what I wonder. Exclusivity, not free. It's just not. 
Mm-hmm. Now, why wouldn't she release all this information to ABC, CBN, uh, CBS, NBC, CNN? You know, y- you pick your three letters, and uh, there's some news organization out there with it. Why wouldn't she just give it to everybody all at once? Why would she give it to one organization unless she was getting some kind of compensation? Maybe there's an interview a, deal. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I don't it's know. A, maybe it's a back end deal. Maybe um, maybe there's a contract that specifies that after all this blows over, maybe then ABC News will pay her. Something. She'll get the Barbara Walters interview. She can't get money for the names, but she can get money for doing an interview. Oh, you know, she can get okay. So instead of getting you know a million dollars for. For the names, she'll get a million dollars for her first exclusive appearance at, at, on ABC. There's maybe something for the made-for-TV movie. Yeah. I'll give you the latest on the story here in a little bit. But first, let's go to the phones and talk to Triddle in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Hello, Triddle. Well, good evening, gentlemen. Well, hey, hello. so glad to hear your voice. Oh, well, I, I am you. so glad to hear your voice. <laughs> Mark's in it today. <laughs> so I had a couple things on my mind. Um, sure. Specifically, I wanted to comment on the second-to-last phone call from Saturday's show. Okay. You have to recap. Who, who was it? What, uh, uh, what was it he was the, the military guy who was talking about the war in Iraq, and he made some comments about Islam. Right, and he knew some stuff that we didn't know. So right. He, so he, he supported the war because of secret information. Right, and I'd like to dispel um, what I think are some myths. Now, I'd like to preface this information with the warning that Islam is an extremely complicated religion, and I'm no expert. Um, I don't personally follow any religion, but I do have a friend who follows Islam, and I ran those segments by him to get his opinion. Uh, he is a, a Sunni who lives in Egypt, and as we know, um, there's many different specific types of Islam and many views, so his may not be perfectly congruent with the rest of the world, but at least he can provide some first-hand insight. Well, now, according to the guy on Saturday night, Islam is Islam. It's all, he says it's all bad, and you, you have to read the Koran. He acted as though he did. I didn't actually call him on it. I didn't call him into question as to whether he, he had actually done all the research. He was sort of hinting that he'd done. But he just wanted to paint it all with the same brush. You're saying that's not the case. Well, um, I know there's different divisions of the religion. You know, there's Sunnis and there's Shiites. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I don't know what the difference is, other than that if you go back to Muhammad, the difference would be um, that one set of followers believed uh, one successor should be a person and the other followers believed the, another person should be the successor. Right. So that's mm. where they split. Right. Um, now, he said that Islam is strongly united against Western culture. This is not so. I wouldn't, um, think, that, I wouldn't think that Islam is uh, strongly united against us. No. no. Egypt is a declared Islamic state, and they also happen to be the second strongest ally of America in the Middle East. Hmm. Okay. And second, he said that his that the stated goal of Islam is to convite, convert the entire world through force. This is also not true. Uh, and I'll go with a little history um, of how the founding of the religion happened. When Muhammad was living in Mecca and preaching his new religion, there were people in the city who thought he was dangerous and they threatened to kill him. I can't remember if there was an attempt on his life or not, but he did eventually flee the city. He raised a militia and returned. There was a battle and he won. But contrary to the standard practice of the day, which was to kill the entire city when they were conquered, Muhammad let the people live. Hmm. Um, At this time, there were other religions with a major presence in Mecca as well, and Muhammad made the conscious decision to allow those other religious institutions to remain in the city. I see. So, um, now, there is, at a later date, uh, a Muslim leader did burn down a Christian temple in Mecca, but he is widely regarded as being insane. The next leader to attain power actually paid to have the temple rebuilt. And to the best of my knowledge, and according to my friend, Islam is a religion of tolerance and peace, 
but with the ability to defend yourself if needed. Well, of course, you know, we often hear um, the interreligious conflicts where people will pick out certain sections from the Koran. Um, I, I'd be interested in asking you, do you know uh, at what point in his life did Muhammad come forward with the teachings of the Koran? Uh, for example, when he allowed those religions to continue after being uh, militarily conquered, had the the Koran already been promulgated, or was he a leader at that time? Uh, when did he, when was all this codified per se under the rules of the Koran? I think what you got are differing interpretations of what was written, and uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's possible that some of the very anti-Islamic people can say, "Oh, guard, you don't know what you're talking about." You know, Muhammad might might have been nice to these people when he took over, but then he wrote all these uh, all these uh, matters of the Koran and 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 just uh, went completely against what he had done in the past and, and opposed uh, all religions that weren't Islamic. What do you think about that? Well, unfortunately, I don't know the history of the Koran. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that Muhammad himself introduced the Koran. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm I thought not, he wrote it too. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not authoritative on that. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know the rest of the history. What I'm feeding you is basically uh, information that I got from a three-hour-long documentary I, wa I watched on Islam, which was very informative and very interesting. Where are uh, these? Uh, where are these so-called conservatives? These anti-Islamic people? Where are they getting their information from? Is it just Rush Limbaugh? I mean, is it just just through the mouthpieces of, uh, of the so-called neoconservative movement? Also, um, you know. I don't know, but I do have more information. You guys Hang on. Over? Hang on. 800-259-9231. Trittle's on the line. Your calls as well about whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Can you believe it? The government lies to people about its uh, so-called enemies. <laughs> it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The pack at 8.net toll-free line. Actually, now the SACL CAI toll-free line. Shame on me. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features there are completely free, including archives and entire year's worth of the show right there. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Just go grab them up. They're free. Freetalklive.com. Come. And you also need to know about the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, also known as Porkfest, happening June 18th through the 24th at Porkfest. You'll be able to attend leadership and activist training seminars, as well as socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com as we go back to Triddle in Washington. Triddle giving us sort of the inside scoop, a, uh, a, helpful, a helpful counterpoint to a caller that we had on Saturday night, someone who claimed to know all kinds of things. He had claimed to have been in the military, claimed to have done all sorts of research on Islam. And uh, you actually spent some time talking with a friend who was from, I guess, from Egypt, who is of the Islamic religion, and obviously knows a little bit more about it than the military guy that called Saturday night. Essentially, you're pointing out that all of the claims that we tend to, that people tend to hear in America, which are usually echoed by uh, military people, government people, and the sycophants that follow them, and those claims are that Islam is evil, Islam hates the West, Islam wants to crush you if you don't convert, and you're saying that's just all not the case. Uh that's correct. Of course, you know, there's people who will distort any religion to say what they want, and I don't doubt that there are Islamic terrorists who do hate the West, mm -hmm. but to 
to steamroll this over every person of the Islamic faith, I do not think is uh, is genuine. Do you think those Islamic terrorists that you mentioned? Do you think they hate the West as much as they hate the United States government? Well, okay, you're, that's a good point. I well, okay, um, this this gets tricky. Um, I just watched another documentary. It was extremely good. It's called. Um, Oh, hang on, it's in my notes here. Let me find it. Uh, the Power of Nightmares, mm. and it details this. It details exactly how the Islamic terrorists have come to the conclusion that, that it's okay to kill Westerners. And the, according to this documentary, the original person, um, in, who actually was also Egyptian, and goes back to about the 1950s, this guy's name, I think Saeed Kutib, uh, visited the United States and did not like what he saw. Um, he definitely didn't enjoy the Western culture. He thought that it was really bad. Mm-hmm. And he went back to Egypt and mm-hmm. tried to institute some changes um, to remove the Western culture. Yeah, Which, in fact, uh, I do know a little bit about that. Um, uh, Tony Blankley has a, a very interesting book. Tony Blankley, who's very strongly uh, libertarian in many cases, uh, also believed that if we were going to go after uh, al-Qaeda, and uh, go into Iraq, if there was a rationale, thought that we needed to declare war. I got to interview him on my show a couple times, and he mentions that man and how he went back. And uh, That was in like the late 1920s or 1930s, correct? No, that's about the 50s. Oh, the 50s. Okay. All right, I have it wrong. And, um, and, and he did start that up. And, and, and let me, uh, if, I, if I might, I think what he did was he started to recalibrate the concept of jihad, correct? Um, well... Yeah, basically what I'm saying is that, that he originally jihad was uh, only supposed to be for the Holy Lands itself, a defensive action for the Holy Lands. And uh, what they're trying to do now, based on this guy's teachings and a number of other uh, people within the Wahhabi uh, schools and so on, they're, they're expanding the jihad to say, well, uh, it's not just the Holy Lands that we have to defend against interlopers from afar. Uh, the Holy Lands now also include all those lands that we took over during uh, prior to the Crusades, like Spain all the way up towards France. The documentary I saw um, has a different interpretation of this, a okay. different account. Um, what it says is that um, the Western culture has influenced the Islamic culture, and it's making people in, into non-Muslims, basically. It is infecting them and ruining them. And the jihad that they're fighting and how they came to the conclusion that it's okay to kill individuals is that they've been poisoned and that they are, in fact, the problem, that the culture has got to them and has ruined them and that they need to be removed. And I think it's also extremely important to point out that this is not a popular viewpoint, that this is um, the viewpoint of one man and some followers who do not make up the majority. In fact, they make up a, a small minority. So would you say that essentially they're like the evangelicals of Islam, basically, I mean, as far as their, their percentage is concerned, as far as how extreme they are? I, I don't know for sure, but, you know, like I said earlier, people distort religion to say all kinds of weird stuff. We have crazy, crazy Christians, and there's going to be crazy, crazy Muslims. Absolutely. I and mean, there are always, I mean, till the end of time, someone in the name of their religion, whether it be is, uh, Islam or Christianity or whatever, someone in the name of their religion is going to be willing to do horrible things to others. And it's just a matter of defending against people who want to use violence on others. Really, that's what it all all comes down to. And the fact is, uh, it's the American government that's using the most violence on people around the world right now. You know, I think practically, Ian, if you look at it, you think about this and... Uh 
you think, what is the best way to stop more people from buying into this sort of a philosophy? What is the most practical way to say, okay, you guys are espousing now killing innocent individuals. Uh, how are we going to keep more people from joining you and resenting the West and the individuals who comprise the Certainly West? Certainly not by rolling in tanks. Yeah. That's, that's definitely not the answer. Trittle, your thoughts? Um, no, I don't have any more thoughts on that. Um, other than it would be nice for us to leave everyone else alone. I, that's, I definitely believe that. That's yeah. the goal here, for sure. And Trittle, it's great hearing from you again, man. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Thanks, Trittle. 800-259-9231, because that really is the issue. I'm sure that, you know, there are probably, as Trittle points out, this very small percentage that is okay to use violence on others within the, the religion of Islam. But he's saying the vast, vast majority of them are peaceful individuals who respect the choices of others. I oh, would think yes. that that's true. And that yeah. seems to be the way it is with Christians as well. Many Christians are peaceful individuals who respect the choices of others. And then there's this small percentage of them, uh, the evangelical ones, that want to get in control of uh, the government and then use it to enforce its way on on people. I'm not even to, sure that I you could say that it's that's then themselves. I think Mark is on the same path as as I am. Uh, it, within the evangelical community, it's still a tiny, tiny percentage. My mom's evangelical, and she's a she's a radical libertarian essentially. Really? Yeah. And I don't know. I think that uh, there's yes that some evangelicals do support the uh, sort of Christianist ist um, you know putting forth the philosophy out there and uh, you know, they don't mind using guns in order to get people to comply but i think that more it's just politicians that are um, holding you know waving the ba- banner of american culture and sort of incorporated in that is and i think i think it's also interesting because oftentimes people say yeah, uh, and I think they they rightfully say, look, to to equate uh, evangelicals and and hardcore Christians in the United States in the atmosphere in which we operate in uh, political discourse, where as a tiny percentage of people who would want to get the government to manipulate people's lives further, uh, I think the percentage is larger for you know certain types of manipulation all over the map. But let's sure. say, yeah, let's say you know they they want to keep prostitution illegal, they don't want people drinking this or smoking this or whatever. Okay. Uh, and I think those are all bad attenuations of liberty. If you look at the the violent, outrageous, you know, ripping out of tongues and stonings and things like that, it's very difficult to equate. You sort of have to debate them in two different levels. It's, you know what I mean? To be fair to to um, to both sides, I think. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. If you've got a comment, the SACL CAI toll free line eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The problem is, of course government because government gives extremists of whatever flavor the ability to use force on others so-called legally 800-259-9231 you take control this is free talk live would you like to help others find free talk live you can help us advertise market and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com consider becoming a free talk live amplifier now for three dollars a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com this is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. April still financial literacy month. Give your child, the child in your life, financial literacy. Be they son, daughter, or sibling. A kid's journey to getting rich by Joel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. 
Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. 800-657-5066. Still to come, the latest on the D.C. Madam situation. Uh, but first, to the phones, it's Rich in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rich. Uh, yes, this is Rich. I am calling from Sacramento, although I'm actually from Montana. Okay. The reason I'm calling is to let you all know that I do a community access television show, and many episodes of it are being uploaded on the internet and are available for all to view. Oh, great! Including including some that I know you'll be interested in. I dedicated an entire two-hour episode to the Free State Project <laughs> and why I'm leaving Montana free as it may be. So Frank Zappa would not consider you a dental floss tycoon then, huh? Uh, uh well, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> it's an old song. It's an Frank old Zappa, Zappa song. song. But, yeah. I'm familiar with some of them, but, but anyway, I'm Guard, going, you, I... Guard, you don't have to explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I could recite the lyrics to you, but it essentially goes, moving to Montana soon. Gonna be a dental floss tycoon. Him and the pygmy pony <laughs> over by the dental floss bush. It's a, it's a great song. Just check it out. You right. Oh, great. Well, you yeah. know, I happen to be a musician, and I sing, uh, I sing, uh, I do a lot of musical comedy as well as uh, some folk songs. So now you, you say coming to Pork people. Fest? You could bring your, you oh, yeah. come to, oh, yeah, I was great. there last year. Great. Oh, very cool, very cool. Now you say that um, you, you did a two-hour show on uh, the Free State Project. Is your show normally two hours long? Uh, well, the entire uh, the week, the series, I do a series that's, uh, that's uh, there are two shows a week that are two hours long. But what it consists of are material that I've created, that is to say, interview, you, most of them interviews mm-hmm. that I've done. And then the rest of the two hours filled in with imported material, you know, Alex Jones material and and other enlightening Stuff about what in the new world order is going on. Got it. Well, I don't Maybe know about I, the I don't know about the whole new world order thing. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. But uh, if it's, well, some people might call it a new world disorder. <laughs> yeah. So you're one of those but, people. Uh, so you you believe that uh, the the world is controlled by a secret cabal of uh, elites? Uh, well, I I believe there's a lot of evidence for that. The world is certainly acting as if that were true. Now, there's cert- I, I have no doubt that there are people who are, who are in search of power, and they may come from certain specific families. But the one thing that I'm curious about with this whole New World Order thing, if they're so evil and dangerous, um, why is it that they aren't shutting off those people who are supposedly outing them? Well, as a matter of fact, if, uh, one of the subjects that I cover is the fact that they have offed some people who are apparently talking too loudly. One of the people I interviewed was the surviving sister of Officer Terrence Yakey, who was the first police officer at the scene of the Oklahoma City bombing. And he was taking notes, taking pictures, and refusing to falsify reports. And a year later, he (coughs) committed suicide. And he did that by stabbing himself multiple times and left his blood in the car, dragged himself over a barbed wire fence a couple of miles through the woods and shot himself to the top of the head with a gun, which then sprouted legs and walked away. Hmm. Sounds like the Monty Python skit, The Death of Mary, Queen of Scots. So, now, 
I understand there have certainly been some questionable uh, killings over time that might have been might have been politically connected. But what about the ones who are really out there supposedly outing this uh, big conspiracy, this grand cabal? You know, what about the Alex Joneses? What about you on your show? Why haven't they come after the people that are you know are spreading the word? Why not go after the you know the the hubs of information and really shut them down? Well. I'm I'm open to that possibility, and and the answer to your question is I don't know, I can't guess what uh, what the powers that be are up to. Now, all I, I can do it, is it do my to best. To th- over time, I've seen that the government shows its, uh, it, it, you know, in in trying to accomplish things, it shows its utter incompetence at just about everything it does. And the problem that I have with conspiracy uh, theories in general is that you're giving the government and, uh, you know, or a group of elites, which it seems like would need the help of a lot of government agents in the, in the process of accomplishing their goals, um, you're giving them a lot of credit. And I, I think FEMA is, is a, a great example of how the government just can't do anything right, and how come we know this stuff? Right. So, uh, by the way, what is a conspiracy theory? I don't think I he did. He answer your question? He didn't. Um, I, I, we're not trying to be. Oh, no, I don't want to make it sound like we're trying to be mean to you, Rich. It's just that. Uh-huh. It, and by the way, I want to give you credit for answering at least honestly my question about you know why aren't they taking out the hubs of information? At least he said he didn't know. Most of the conspiracy people will say, well, well, that's because it'll prove that they exist, which of course is silly. Um, yeah. Go ahead and recap that, Mark, so maybe you can get a straight answer. Well, I was just um, – the government's incompetent. How is it that uh, the government manages to pull off, uh, I don't know, bombings in uh, diverse places and, uh, you know, with all kinds of intricate details that would have to have I – mean, lots of agents that would have had to have been in play, and they don't get, they don't get caught, you know? Uh, they don't screw it up uh, horribly. Well, they are being caught. Okay. The problem is that the, the – uh the truth is hard to get out there because the media are all apparently uh, in bed with these with these power elite. And uh, I mean, when's the last time you heard on the from the mainstream media any dis- any honest discussion about, say, the Federal Reserve or what really happened at, on 9/11? Well, Rosie O'Donnell, um, as I think Rosie O'Donnell and Charlie Sheen and a number of other Hollywood celebrities have certainly gotten uh, media time for the 9-11 conspiracies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they haven't been start. taken out. Uh, and really, I, I see where you're coming from on all this. And, Rich, I wish that I, I wish you good luck with your show and what you're doing. And, and you know, I, I'm glad to have any new activists here in, in New Hampshire. Um, but I just, you know, I wish I could encourage you to get away from the conspiracy theory stuff. Um, because, really, it, it, it doesn't lend you any credibility uh, whatsoever. And it, it's just going to make people question the other things that you're trying to tell them. And that is that freedom's a good thing and, and government's a good big. idea. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I just feel so bad. You know, he came on and he was like, yeah, all right, two-hour-long show, and he's out there doing doing activism, and then, oh, boy, he's inserting Alex Jones clips, and, oh, boy, you know, conspiracy stuff. That's again, just, you know, we, we spoke about this. We spoke about this once once before. It's not to say that there is not necessarily validity to some of the things that people have to say, some of the investigations they have, uh, whether it's uh, on a superficial level or very very deep. That, that someone could be right, but I find that uh, when I begin to look into those things, it draws me away from looking at immediate problems where people are trying to attenuate my liberty on the state level, the federal right. level, or internationally. 
And it's just my preference to not devote that time to it, even though, and I can, I can get the information from my friends, and oftentimes when I do ask those secondary or tertiary questions, I'm not satisfied with the answers. So I say, you know what, okay, I think I'm just going to stick with what I'm investigating. I'm, I'm writing this article on the FEC, or I'm doing this or that. That's right. right, you're doing something that has a, an effect from here on out. You're doing something that, that uh, pays attention to what the government is doing right now. And there are tangible, concrete things that you can point to that are being reported in the mainstream media. And you can say, hey, look, they're spending this amount on this crazy project, and this is insanity. The drug war is insane because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, you can go issue by issue, but then when you're talking about who was really behind the assassination of JFK, in fact, uh, I think you pointed out recently, Mark, that there was news, uh, some guy in his deathbed came out and revealed some really just shocking information about the whole JFK conspiracy thing, confirming, I think, what some of the conspiracy theorists had said for a long time about the CIA involvement and all that and JFK, and, you know, it fell on dead ears. It's it's doesn't seem to have mattered. It doesn't matter. Government is bigger than it ever was in the past, and that's what the, that's the issue that we should be dealing with, not the past. Let's focus on the future. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show, considering we give you all the website features for free. Maybe you might want to buy some stuff at our Free Talk Live store. Just head over to store.freetalklive.com and take a look at our brand new merchandise that we have up for pre-sale right now. Uh, and, by the way, this stuff is not crap. It is good quality merchandise. Some radio shows will buy the just the cheapest of garbage and then sell it through their stores. We, we get the good stuff. And uh, decent prices as well. It's, the, it really is good stuff, too. The, the brand new, uh, you're, you're sitting in front of our very cool Free Marketeer flag, which uh, a lot of people, they loved so much the Free Marketeer logo that our, our man Johnson came up with. Yeah. It doesn't have anything that has anything to do with Free Talk Live in it. It's just some original stuff that... That we created, basically. That's great. And, you know, it, it's funny because it's reminiscence of, of a pirate sort of a, of a deal. Yeah, that was sort of my idea. Sign I love that. And I've been reading a lot more about pirates. There are all these books out about pirates and the really? Republic of Pirates and everything. Because they had their own republic? Yeah, they, they essentially started this. Uh, it was almost like a totally non-governmental... You know, like association of pirates down in the in the Bahamas and Bermuda and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I, that would have been a good place to uh, to live. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you could really trust pirates, yeah, but nonetheless, fun. the Free Marketeer logo was so popular that people demanded more stuff with the Free Marketeer logo on it. So now we got the Free Marketeer T-shirt, we got Free Talk Live Ladies T-shirts, we got the Free Talk Live Two Gigabyte Multi Gadget, which is our hottest selling item of all time. And uh, there's so much more there. The Free Market, the Free Talk Live Beanie, the Lighter Bottle Opener Combo. Uh, two different pullover. Uh, there's a pullover and a zippered hoodie. So two different styles of hoodies, all for pre-sale right now. And all of our old items are still there too. At store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to Jason in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jason. Hey guys. I kind of want to change things up after that last call. I do want to say I do think that there is a power elite that runs the show in America, and I'd say that uh, it's a group that a lot of people don't talk about. And it's not that it's secret; it's just obscure. And I'd say that group is the Sons of the American Revolution. If you take a look at this group, you'll see that uh, basically all of our presidents since the inception of the Sons of the American Revolution have uh, have all been SAR, except for Kennedy, and look what happened to Kennedy. He got his brains blown out in Dallas. Where'd you get the membership list? 
Uh, well, you can go to the SAR uh, website, and they actually uh, you know, have a history, and they, they get into the fact that, that most presidents have basically been SAR, except for Kennedy. Um, you know, they'll, they'll go through the gamut. I mean, Bush, uh, our current president, just recently, about a year ago, has actually given award by the SAR. He's a descendant from a patriot. And, I mean, I think that it's just basically it's an unwritten rule that if you want to be president, you'd better be descended from a, you know, from a, from a revolutionary war patriot. Do you, have to, do you society, have to research you yourself, or um, do, do they do the research for you? I mean, can you well, apply? You can, for... I, I've done the research myself. I actually qualify for the group. I have an aunt that's a member of the DAR. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the most part, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's pretty, you know, uh, apple pie type, type of group. But when you take a look at the powerful people that, that have come out of the group, I mean, most of our five-star generals have all been SAR, and I guess it just makes sense that the people that created the country would inevitably want their descendants, you know, to run it. Are you suggesting and, that that uh, you're saying that they all happen to be connected to this one organization? Is there some sort of overarching uh, philosophy of you know of evil behind it, or yeah. is it just that they all happen to be that, the well, same? I think that's the thing. I don't think that anybody that engages and any type of political activity is doing it because they think it's evil. Nobody, you know, acts because they go, oh, this is going to be an evil thing. They do it because they think it's going to be good for them. And obviously, the SAR's leadership has basically resulted in America that's pretty much conquered the world. I mean, there's no military power that could ever challenge us. And I think that we, in part, do owe that, you know, to the leadership of the SAR. It's a very, you know, elite group. I mean, if you want to become a member, I mean, pretty much... You have to but show you that, you that qualify. you're from a patriot. You know? but, but you yeah. qualify, and you're just Jason in California. I mean, there's probably a bunch of people that are descended from uh, and, yeah, those guys. And those yeah, well, yeah, I wouldn't want to join, but I know that I am. Why not? You could be on the patriot. inside, man, inside track. Uh, uh, I pass. And, and I, know, the ranks. I don't want to yeah. open up a can of worms, but uh, there is a question. Uh, you know, any, any reasonable scientists or, or political scientists would say, well, how do you how do you establish causality here? You know, you can have a commonality, and there might not necessarily be causality. Uh, just because uh, these guys have all been members of the SAR does not well, necessarily you- mean that you know the SAR is the reason that they're all there in their positions of power. Well, I, I think the thing is, if, if you can basically show that all but one president for the past 100 years have all you know come out of you know SAR lineage. Um, you know, I think that that's a pretty powerful, you know, fact, you know, and how do you explain that? I mean, if it's not because, you know, if it's it may not, be, it may be a due fact, the fact but I don't know if it's still. a fact. We're taking your word on that. It, it may be a fact, but what's I mean, so what? Well, you well, also, I, I think it just goes to show that a lot of immigrant groups, Italians, well, yeah, people, you know, that have come to this this country will never have a chance to become president. See, but, uh, Although in our Constitution, at, it says that, you know, any citizen above the age of 35 you know, should be able to. I think that there that pedigree still matters in this country, uh, and it me, does matter if whether or not uh, you were descended from a patriot if you want to become president. I think just, that it's an un, it's so, an unwritten rule. Let me basically. just pose something to you very quickly. My dad was born in 1917. Okay, just to give you an example of how young this country is, and this this will start to show you why sometimes the causality problem really stands in the way. Um, uh, my dad was born in 1917. When he was in school, they used to have Civil War veterans come to the school and talk to the kids. They were still alive. So I used to talk to my father, and I would say, Dad, I'm talking to a guy who fought in the Civil War. He said, oh, yeah, these guys were very young. They were only like, you know, 13, 14 years old, but they were there, and they used to come and they'd show us their guns and all these things, and we were in first and second grade. I was like, so that shows you, and those guys talk to guys who could have fought in the Revolutionary War or just 
after that, they could have been here at the formation of the country. So it shows you that for many of the presidents in, in the history of the United States, statistically speaking, it's probably likely that they could have been sons of the American Revolution because for the first, first 50, 100 years, many of them were descended from people who came around from the American Revolution. We were still getting a lot of immigrants, but those immigrants, they themselves could not run for president. Only their children could run for president based on the Constitution. So you're saying there haven't been very many generations, and in right. addition... So the earlier generations who were would here have been longest, more likely to have been sons of the American Re- Revolution. And since their families were established here longer, they're more likely to have achieved more wealth, Absolutely, and, and there are more ties and interests in, tr- in the traditions of the American government and getting into civics. So who knows, you know? Well, how would you explain, though, the fact that basically not only is it the president's, for the most part, but the majority of, uh, you know, Supreme Court justices and also five-star generals. I mean, to me, what it looks like, Again, especially in light now of you're, Now you're using terms on. like majority, which, okay, so, okay, 51% well, of them. Well, the thing is, most Americans cannot trace their pedigree back to, uh, you know, the SAR. In fact, the SAR is, there's only about 27,000 members. I'm sure there's a lot more people that do qualify, but there's a lot of people that aren't going to hire a professional genealogist to, yeah, like you know, me. to I don't find care. that link. That's stuff useless to me. You know, to me though, it just seems you know awfully odd that that the majority of the presidents since the inception of the SCR, which happened in about 1890. You know, by the way, I'd like uh, to point have out all been. You Jason, know, I'm sorry, man, we're short on time, but thank you for the call. I'd like to point out that once again we've been bogged down talking about something that is of utter uselessness. Oh, a majority of the Supreme Court. Uh, members there were members of the SAR, and a majority of five-star generals were members of the SAR. And once again, I mean, well, who cares about all this stuff? You know, it's weird. I, uh, sorry, Mark, I'm jumping no, in. No, it's, Go it's ahead. fine. Uh, well, I was going to say, I don't begrudge anybody, uh, you know, checking those types of things out. Uh, in, you, clearly, but you can uh, but dig as much as you want into this crap. Yeah, I mean, I, you can dig I, forever. Hey, you know, I could be, I could be completely wrong in my approach. You know, maybe devoting that amount of time to it is very constructive, and I just haven't found the right way. You know, but I, I personally, I just don't get in, get on top of it. I and just and then what do we get? But here's my question: What do we get? The Democrat. I wanted to ask him this: um, The Democrats are running uh, a black man who likely is not a descendant of an American revolutionary. <laughs> I could be wrong. He could be a direct descendant of Crispus Attucks, the first person, uh, Crispus Attucks? Yeah, Attic? Crispus Attucks. Well, I don't whatever. think he said presidential candidates. He said president. No, no, no. I'm just saying that um, the next president of the United States is likely to be either a daughter of the American Revolution. I don't know uh, Mrs. Clinton's lineage, mm-hmm. um, but he claimed that all the presidents, so therefore Bill um, is, is not that he's blood-related to, right. to Mrs. Clinton. Um it could be. So, they came from Arkansas. That's going to likely <laughs> deviate. <laughs> likely deviate um, shortly. You know, it won't be in a uh, son of the American Revolution if a Democrat gets elected because, and, in all likelihood, it's going to be one of those two candidates. Well, plus a lot of the conspiracy crowd is always, um, I guess, for the past couple of years, they've been rattling the the cages about Arnold Schwarzenegger and saying that they're trying to amend the Constitution to make it so anyone can run for president. Well, what if what if they're successful at that and they amend the Constitution and then Arnold Schwarzenegger wins the presidency? Then where do you go? He is definitely not a, a member of the SAR. So, again, it's just, okay, let's dig through history and see what sort of weird connections we can make between people and try to make it seem like it's relevant and has a point. Yeah, and what do we get out of it? Uh, We'll we'll get a Democrat. We've got a segment out of Free Talk Live. I like the Christmas Addicts thing. Well done. Thank you. Free Talk Live uh, is your show, and you can take control. The latest on the D.C. Madam case still to come. Your calls about whatever's on your mind at 800 259 
9231 Hour 2 coming up. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching into hour number two. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. That, once again, freetalklive.com. We'll start things out by going to the calls. Still to come, the story on the latest on the DC Madam. Mm. And who's going to be outed next? First to the phones, to CJ in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amplifier line. Hey, CJ. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Good. What's on your mind? Pretty good. Uh, uh, well, uh, the uh, guys ruling the world thing you guys were talking about last segment, I just wanted you, – you actually said most of the stuff I wanted to say in the last segment, but I wanted to add one little thing. Um, all of these people what, – what's the one thing that uh, has is done more to out all of these conspiracies in the last, say, 10 years than any other thing? The one thing? Uh, the Internet. Oh, right. okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. Right. You mean out them, get them out there where people can hear them? Right, 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 right. Um, who developed and released the Internet? The New World Order. Yes. So if these guys are... No, really, who developed? I don't know. Things, who, who, was that your answer the, originally? The, the U.S. government and military developed, right. developed the Internet and released it to the public. Or at I least think it they was, were largely involved. I think it was, it was the university right. system that was more... Um, right. it, was, it, was it was the government the working with laboratories and universities. Right, and then right. The government, said, I mean, the government funded these, this project that was the Internet originally and yeah. helped develop it. I mean, regardless of how you feel about whether or not the government should have been involved in that, it was... And largely, the Internet has been the one communication source that has been used more than any other to out this new world order. Why would a bunch of evil guys that want to you know, control information release the one thing in the world that has done more to spread information? Yeah, well, there you go. Shooting holes in their uh, conspiracies again, CJ. So, you guys have a good night. Thanks, Thanks for the call. CJ. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Well, if, uh, the conspiracy theorist would probably respond by saying, well, they didn't know. They didn't realize what they were doing at the time. By the time it uh, had gotten out into the public's hands, it was too late. Mm-hmm. Too late. Yeah, it was the same thing like we were talking during one of the breaks during the Clinton administration. They went after the Western Journalism Center. They sucked the IRS on them. And uh, because the Western Journalism Center was looking at all sorts of things like Travelgate and things like that and Whitewater and Castle Grande. And uh, and the Western Journalism Center, this uh, sort of conservative journalist thing out on the, on the West Coast, um, as opposed to, you know, the Eastern Journalism Center, uh, they, <laughs> you know, they got publicity about it. They went out and they showed that the Clinton administration was trying to shut them down. A lot of people in conservative circles knew it and it was all out there. So. Uh, you know, you would think that uh, if these guys were going to try to go after uh, the guys who were revealing this information, they would have done it. But then again, you know, I don't want to overstep my bounds. I'm sure a lot of people out there have stories like, well, you know, so-and-so tried to do something and he got shut down and this guy. So there have I, I definitely just don't been, that much attention to it. So. I, I agree with you, nor do I. But there have definitely been some suspicious deaths over the years, politically connected deaths, and some deaths that have a, still have a lot of questions surrounding sure, them. But sure. but once again, uh, the, the, the real issue is the size of government. Yeah, but you know, you, know, it, exa- you hit it exactly, Ian. And, and what bothers me greatly about it is that uh, the... The government, in its in its constant attempt to regulate our lives, thinks that we're going to forget certain things. And I mentioned this to you earlier. Uh, today is the anniversary of 
George Bush flying his jet down onto the aircraft carrier and saying mission accomplished. Uh, This is also just about a week after Hillary Clinton had an interview with the New York Times about Iraq. And she said, well, we'd have to keep troops there indefinitely. And yet, over the weekend, she was speaking in front of a group of people and said, when I become president, our troops will leave immediately. We will bring them home. You know? Really? Yeah, you great. sound kind of like her. Thank yeah, you. That I was, was actually say, pretty great good. rendition, huh? Yeah. Uh, so, and these are the things to me that, you know, I don't want to just sort of toss aside these conspiracy things because people say, oh, this is very important for our well-being. Okay, fine. But, you know... In in saying that I like to look at these immediate problems, I don't only look at immediate problems. I try to look at, at the overall arc of these things, and they're all part and parcel to government playing too large a role in our lives, government politicians not sticking with the rules, and trying to aggrandize themselves at our expense. You know, I don't think that the, uh, the, the evil cabal is really evil enough. I mean, if they're as evil as these conspiracy people say, then they really should be evil. And and if I were in charge of this evil cabal and I, you know, got the word, I mean, because if you're in charge of this evil NWO cabal, then you obviously have got people everywhere, right? Because you're in charge of thousands and thousands of people who are all willing to follow your orders at the drop of a hat. Why? I, that's a whole other question. But so, you know, the news comes in that there's some guy on the radio talking about your secret organization, it wouldn't take me ten years to figure that out. I would get when as soon as he got on a couple radio station affiliates and made him made something out of himself. Boom! I'd have myself a hit a hit team taking him out like like a with a quickness and uh, and you know of course all of the listeners of the guy's show would say this is it it's proof the conspiracy's real but it wouldn't matter if they were saying that to themselves they don't have a mouthpiece with which to spread their message. Mm. And so, you know, as soon as these guys were to pop up, I just, I just bump them off. That way, they could never get too big and never get too influential. So, I mean, where's the real evil? Where are the real uh, criminals? I mean, this is just—if this is—if they're really out there, they're a bunch of pansies. Well, I think that um, also, if you use the, uh, the 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 line of reasoning that you were that uh, that. The government's getting too big, and that's sort of where you're trying to get when you talk about conspiracies. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, there's a, a big conspiracy, and we need to get, uh, you know, people that would shrink the size of government in, and so I'm going to tell you about the conspiracies so that we can get there. I think you leave yourself wide open for people coming up with all different thought processes. When I talk to you about, uh, say, gas taxes, for instance, the government's making 50 cents on every um, gallon, and the, you know, oil companies are making maybe 15 cents on every gallon, it's Sounds to me like the government is getting too much out of a, of, of a gallon of gas. I don't leave you too many places to go with that thought process. Whereas, either if agree I say, or disagree. If I yeah. say that George Bush was part of a big cabal to uh, you know take down uh, ni- the the towers on 9/11 and uh, the, the the Pentagon, you can be and all attacked from all sides. Right. You know the the there's there's the Demo- Well, let's just vote the Democrats in. They'll fix it. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Democrats are they're they're part of the American Sons of Revolution too. Go you, know, you know whatever. And you know you you leave yourself. Uh, you're putting out more fires than uh, you're not accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. I think it's uh, circuitous. Yeah. Very yeah. good. You said it. Let's go to the phones and talk to Stephen in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Guard and Mark. Hello. Hey, hey Stephen. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. I'd just like to make a, a pseudo-correction to what the last caller said. Yes, sir. The government did create the Internet, but they did not create the web, which was created by a man named um, Tim Berners-Lee. So, 
it's a little misleading the way that he just stated it flatly like that. You, so basically, you're pointing out the government uh, the government funded some research into interlinking computers together. And the, then... the most advanced it ever got was prior to the web was that colleges were able to email each other. Right. The government did not create the web. Thank you for that right. uh, that point of clarification. Okay. That's all points. I wanted to clear up. Thanks, yeah. Stephen. We yeah. appreciate it. And, and I think that's important to point out is that uh, a lot of people will say, well, if it weren't for the government, we wouldn't have the Internet. And I think that's a little bit short-sighted. Um, yeah, absolutely, because uh, they had the Internet. It just wasn't being put to productive use. They had. They well, had, no, the, the suggestion well, was yes. that if it weren't for the government's initial seed money, then the Internet never would have been created, which well, the, I don't believe for a moment. Well, this is the thing. Uh, you know, you can't... You can't say that it would or would not have been created. I think no, it can't. probably would have been created. Of course, you got I, one computer. Very clearly, someone's going to think, "Hey, what? Hey, let's, let's try to get it to talk to that other one." Other computer, right. exactly. Networks aren't anything new. Yeah, they were doing networks inside of businesses. They would have done them outside of businesses, and it just so happened that the government had come through with this highly inefficient system. And when the marketplace took a hold of it. Hey, they actually made it a profitable venture. Exactly right. Very good. The marketplace is what turned the internet into what it is today, not the government. And the government's still sitting back there trying to figure out email. We did a story it's last a year of tubes about says. the FBI. The the FBI had to had to cancel a hundred and I think it was hundred and seventy nine million dollar computer upgrade project because they kept bringing in IT guys. Who you know from the outside, not government bureaucrats, but obviously when they got hired on, they became one. But they kept bringing in these IT guys, these managers, to try to process this program into fruition. And they just it it just from whatever bureaucratic hurdles were there, they couldn't get it done. These IT guys kept throwing up their hands and saying, "Screw this, I'm out of here." They kept bringing in new guys. Eventually, the FBI just had to say, "Oh well, I guess we'll keep the file folders." You know, they they don't have a grasp on this yet. They want to tax it, they want to control it, but they still don't really understand it. Baffling. And it's moving so fast, uh, by the time they actually do figure out how to tax something, the, hopefully the Internet will have moved around that. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. And uh, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including the wiki over 1,300 pages created by listeners just like you. Uh, we, we give it away. It's free. wiki.freetalklive.com. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Don't forget, you can also, uh, again, join us freetalklive.com. You also need to know that April is Financial Literacy Month. And so give the child in your life financial literacy, be they son, daughter, or sibling. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. So give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. Uh, let's go straight to the phones and to the fun. I believe we have Matt in Illinois on the line. Matt, is this you? Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, what's hey, on your great. Mind? I lost you for a second there on the other phone. Yeah, we had some serious uh, uh, t- technical difficulties during the break, so we're on our backup system. What's up? Okay, I wanted to, uh, to just uh, throw something out. Back in the um, early 1990s, I used to belong to... Uh, BBS, which is a bulletin board system. Ah, uh, yes. It was before, 
It was before the Internet was widely available to people, and it was just some guy who had a server in his basement, and I would dial his phone number, and the computer would come up, and we could leave messages back and forth, and we could uh, send back and forth GIFs. Right. And Little games and stuff like that. Like early uh, early nineties porn, you could send that too. <laughs> right. I know what you mean when that's, you say GIFs. That's some of the stuff. Yeah, that's what that's some of the stuff that we send. You uh, could play little games. There were little little of, right. There were little door games that they had. I was a I was a BBS addict back in the day. I I was probably about it was in nineteen ninety two. I was probably twelve years old. I'd get home from school and I would log into something like fifty different BBSs that were available. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I was spending way too much time on it. But yes, uh, I am familiar with the BBS phenomenon. It was fairly, it was actually pretty yeah, popular. Kind of the... Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, I, I can hardly hear you. You're breaking up. But that's kind of what I was going to say. That was kind of the beginning of the Internet, too. You're right about that. Right. Was that it? Yeah, that was it. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. Yeah, bulletin board systems. That's sort of why I, I named the Free Talk Live BBS as I did, because yes. I'm just old school like that. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, all right. Old school enough, you'd call it a stone tablet. You know, actually, wall or something. Uh, BBSs, they had. Oh, let's see, they had uh, they had pay BBSs. There were free BBSs where anybody could call in. It was usually one phone line uh, because it was all done on modems back then. You didn't have cable modems and DSL and all that stuff. This is pre all of that. Uh, this was when you had a twenty four hundred baud modem. And uh, you know that was back when that was back when 2400 was the standard. Now, how come? And, what is the difference between? I, I know it went to like 9600 baud. Then there was 14.4, and then something yeah. just switched. Uh, but then then they ceased to talk about modems and bauds. I don't think that. No, it went up from 9600 to 14400 14, okay. to uh, 28800. Okay. Then to 56000 whatever the. Yeah. 56k. Uh, you know, it's that. interesting. Uh, I used to do a radio program right out of college, just around that time, and uh, there was a guy who used to listen to our radio program and he was sort of a science fiction writer and uh he would uh he was trying to get published couldn't do it and so on and so forth and uh he would always bring us gifts on the air and we would do goofy things and and uh I actually went and visited him at his place one time with some friends and he had early BBS stuff and he was always say uh, he was doing Star Trek games a really big sci-fi mm-hmm. fan uh, it turned out later they busted him for uh, child pornography. Uh-oh. So, you know, he well, wasn't exactly the, the best guy to have associated with our radio You're assuming show. that it's true. I had a friend of mine who would, uh, you know, downloaded... This is what he claimed to me. Um, yeah. I don't know about friend. Friend might be pushing it, right? Some guy I met. This is... Um, he dates a girl that I used to date. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he claimed that he had just downloaded a whole bunch of of, of porn through GIFs and stuff like that, yeah. and he didn't even know what all of it was, um, and he hadn't even looked through all of it. And the police claimed that some of the girls on the pictures were underage. So how do they know? Right? How do they know? I mean, obviously, if it's really young, it'll be obvious. But if it's seventeen, sixteen, how the hell do you know? And it's very difficult, you know, and, and it, it, it allows us to enter into a whole conversation about private communities. Oh, you know, I should mention, I should uh, see. Can is it okay if I put a plug in for that article I got over at uh, yeah, Mises? Yeah. yeah, I was, I and I really actually should thank them. That's the way I should do this because the people at the von Mises Institute. It's www.mises.org. M i s e s. M i s e s. Thanks. Um, I, I worked on a very, very large piece uh, that is the uh, final section of a book that I'm going to be releasing soon, and it's going to be called Live Free or Die. And the last section of it deals with 
um, approaching John Locke's philosophy, there are some uh, conflicts, internal conflicts and contradictions within Locke's second treatise of government. So what I did was I studied that because much of the book prior to that had been uh, a defense of individual liberty based on Lockean natural rights and the historical precedents set up by the U.S. Constitution and the Articles of Confederation and things like that. So what I went and did it, I said, look, you know, thus far I haven't done a, a, a good job really studying Locke sufficiently. So I wrote this big piece and I said, gee, you know, I'm going to see if I can rework this a little bit. I want, I'd like to, maybe some other people to, to, to see this. So I sent it off to the Von Mises Institute and Jeffrey Tucker over there. They did the most amazing job. They put it in last week on Friday uh, for their weekend read. It's mm-hmm. a 17-page piece. It's a huge, huge piece, and it was really, it's a little really on heavy. the scholarly side. It's very heavy, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and it's basically an anarchist uh, approach to an alternative to even what we assume is limited government in a negative idea of negative reciprocity. You have a right to be left alone by me. I have a right to be left alone by you. Uh, because Locke made, it, I think, a mistake. He said, he essentially, well, you know, you have a right to keep your property except that your property can be taken from you to provide for the police department that's supposed to protect your property. Mm, so yeah, I tried to study that. So anyway, the the Von Mises Institute put it up So there. people can basically it's, read the last chapter of your book for yeah, free. Yeah, yeah, essentially. It's it's going to be pretty much the same. And they put another article in there, too, and I got a lot of flack about that one about Guantanamo. Oh, by the way, yes, sir. Uh, the Supreme Court denied certiorari today to another one of the Guantanamo cases. Certiorari? What is that? It's it's essentially they would not hear the case. I see. They wouldn't they wouldn't uh, allow the case to come up to the Supreme Court level. A, lo- a lower lower federal court ruled that the Congress So that means that they have to continue languishing. They're going to sit there and they're Guantanamo. not going to get habeas corpus. They're going to have to go right. through the military commissions because the Congress voted last year with the Military Commissions Act of 2006 to basically establish everything that George Bush was doing illegally. How long are we going to hold those people? <laughs> I'm not Darn holding anybody. Final. I'd like to point that out. Hey, okay. one of the emails I got from somebody, so that was my earlier article on Thursday, the Mises Institute published that one. I got an email from this guy that says, I hope they stay there all the rest of their lives. Clearly, Ew. he doesn't read very much of the Von Mises Institute. I guess not. And you know amazing. what? That's a great. It is a good question, Mark, is how long is this going to go on for? I would guess it'll probably go on for as long as the so-called war on terror goes on for. I thought the war with Iraq was done when he said mission accomplished four years ago today. Apparently he thought so, too. I, yeah, apparently we're not <laughs> done yet. Yeah. 800-259-9231. Uh, so I guess I don't get to reminisce uselessly anymore about bulletin board systems. We'll talk about the D.C. <laughs> madam here in moments. Uh, your calls as well. Plus, uh, on the way, a politician apparently was mugged recently, and they're using that as an excuse, I guess, to call for more gun control legislation. I guess Gardner's got the story. He'll bring it to us. Yeah, and let you know. And your calls about whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including the updates. You just get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates. 
www.freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special FSP tour buses or on your own and socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. 800-259-9231. So, as promised, we do have the latest... On the DC Madam situation. This I love that soundbite. Yeah, it's good stuff. Glad I ripped it off from ABC News a few years ago. Uh, anyway, so the latest on it, appropriately enough, it is an ABC News story, or it's going to be coming up, I think, on uh, 2020. This week, they're going to have a an exclusive, but the AP actually does have some details on this. In case you don't know, just a quick recap. Uh, Pamela Martin and Associates was a business that was uh, being run by... Deborah Jane Jean Palfrey, who is now un- facing charges, essentially for being a, a madam. She was engaged in the wrong kind of commerce, well, apparently. Apparently, she was engaged in this type of commerce for quite a while and yeah. was getting away with it for a while. And now that they brought her up on charges, she's threatening to release some interesting names. In fact, the first name came out over the weekend, some bureaucrat in uh, Washington, D.C., actually a fairly high-ranking one. We can talk more about him in a little while. Uh, but the latest now from the Associated Press... Ms. Julia doled out a steady stream of advice, both practical and philosophical. From a California home, she emailed tips to the 132 women who worked across the Washington area for the firm Pamela Martin & Associates. Her newsletters, now excerpted in court records, were a virtual how-to manual for avoiding all kinds of trouble in a business said to specialize in erotic fantasies. Quote, one never quite knows where evil, i.e. the vice squad, is lurking in this business. uh, Read one entry from 1995, quote, the misogynists get a real kick out of surprising, shocking you girls when you give them the opportunity. Therefore, you are to lock, double lock, triple lock all doors. Figure it out before they get you, unquote. Ms. Julia was the pseudonym for Deborah Jean Palfrey, the woman at the center of a sex scandal that has caused a deputy secretary of state to resign and has lawyers calling around town trying to keep their clients' names out of public view. (laughs) A one-time law student, Palfrey ran for 13 years what she insists was a legal escort service. Federal prosecutors allege she was providing $300 an hour prostitutes, and a grand jury indicted her in February on federal racketeering charges. Palfrey piqued fascination and anxiety by first threatening to sell the phone records that could unveil thousands of clients and then handing them over, apparently for free, to ABC News. She's scheduled, apparently, to appear tomorrow in U.S. District Court. Actually, I guess it was today. On Friday, Randall Tobias resigned as Deputy uh, Deputy Secretary of State one day after confirming to Brian Ross of ABC that he had patronized the Pamela Martin firm. Speaking speaking on Good Morning America, Ross said Tobias told him his number was on Palfrey's phone records because he had called, quote, to have gals come over to the condo and give me a massage. But there had been no sex. (laughs) Now, just a real quick insertion here on this particular issue because... Uh, Becky Akers over at LouRockwell.com did a little bit of research, I guess, and discovered that if you wanted to hire Ms. Palfrey's uh, escorts, mm-hmm. they cost $275 for 90 minutes. It's quite a neck rub. Yeah, I was going to say, right? I mean, you'd, you'd think that you could just 
hire a massage yeah. therapist, but you know, pay her $40 an hour. The thing is, when you're upholding all these unconstitutional federal laws and, you know, you're engaged in uh, ripping off people, it gets the, the – there's a particular muscle in the back of the neck that needs a lot of – it's mm-hmm. very difficult. You can only get it from the, from the yeah, $275 you need, you need girls. the best. The best you can find. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, we believe you, Mr. Uh, – Tobias, sure Tobias. we do. Yeah, well, he was he was assistant secretary of uh, of state, right? Deputy secretary, Deputy secretary of, state. of state, right? And they they also got a few other people, I guess now. And uh, and I think it's great. There was one guy. I guess he's uh, he's with one of these uh, sort of neoconservative think tanks, the Center for Strategic really? and International Studies. I hadn't heard any other names come out. Yeah, this must be guy, news uh, as of today. It says uh, two weeks ago, Palfrey alleged that military strategist Harlan K. Ullman, creator. Of, this is a new report. Yes. Uh, but it was alleged two weeks ago. I don't know why they didn't report it sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, the creator of the shock and awe combat theory, Harlan K. Ullman, and now a senior associate at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, was also a customer. Ullman <laughs> said that the claim was beneath the dignity of comments. Oh, so he doesn't even have anything to say to it. Yeah, he's got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the rest. Uh, there had been no sex, he said. And that recently he's been using another uh, service with Central American gals for massages, of course. Right, the ones that don't speak English can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, what's what about all the immigration problems there, huh? What's T- the deal? Tobias, who's 65 and married, was director of U.S. Foreign Assistance and administrator of the U.S. Agency for International Development. He'd previously held a top job in the Bush administration overseeing AIDS relief, in which he promoted abstinence and a policy requiring grant recipients to swear they oppose prostitution. Interesting. Palfrey's flamboyant attorney, Montgomery Blair Sibley, said Friday that he's been contacted by five lawyers recently asking whether their clients' names are on Palfrey's list of ten to 15,000 phone numbers. It is interesting when he's involved with that, uh, inter- what is it, these uh, international um, development uh, organization? I'm not um, sure. That's the one that... Uh, oh, the U.S. Agency for International yeah, Development? Yeah, that's the one that hands out special favors to uh, corporations to advertise in China and I things see. like that. And then they get a lot of money back for various candidates for the party that happens to be in charge. So it is ironic that, in a way, they're both prostituting themselves. Mm. And you know now he's getting in trouble for engaging with uh, in commerce with a prostitute, allegedly. More revelations are in the offing. Ross said the list includes names of so, some, quote, very prominent people, unquote as well as a number of women with important and serious jobs who had worked as escorts for the firm. The disclosures have made, uh, been made spare, uh, sparely and artfully two weeks ago in court documents about calling former clients to testify on her behalf. Palfrey named Harlan K. Ullman, an academic whose main claim, there you go, was a scholarly, papal, a scholarly paper he wrote on shock and awe. Sibley also filed notice that he intends to depose political consultant Dick Morris in a separate civil proceeding. Palfrey also declined to comment on either Tobias's resignation or other names that could arise. She said, quote, as the old saying goes, I need to dance with the guy who brung me. I promised ABC News that the 2020 interview will be an exclusive one, and I'm sure you can understand my situation. She sounds like quite the business lady. Hmm. Uh, for all the attention she's attracting, she does retain an air of mystery. She's dropped intriguing hints about herself over the years, but demurs when asked for an interview about her life. She says, quote, I am not a quitter. Ab- additionally, I abhor injustice on any level and in any forum. I frankly persist despite life's barriers. It's no more complicated than this. 
She sees herself as an entrepreneur being railroaded by an all-powerful government in a David and Goliath scenario. Prosecutors have made much of her history. In 1992, she pleaded guilty to attempted felony uh, pimping. She started her Washington business while on probation in California. The little that is known about Palfrey comes from court records, interviews with acquaintances, and a series of emails through her writing... Self-assured with triple exclamation points for emphasis, she shows contradictions and gumption. A woman who says she lives, quote, by the golden rule and who describes herself as sophisticated, a perfectionist, and a cat person who will not go away without a fight. Other friends can't decipher the contrasting images. Uh, and then they go on a little bit more into her past about who she was and, you know, what she did. And it's clear that she's had some links to some prostitution activity in the past. And, of course, they're going to try to paint her with this evil black brush as well, a result of that. If you've learned, um, you know, let's say that there's a such thing as a legitimate business called an escort service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There has to be one out there, right? Sure. Somewhere there is a business, um, and it could very well have been hers, that uh, just rents out women's time to go places or hang out with you or hold your hand or whatever it is that they do. Um and if you had, say, uh, you would learn sort of things in the uh, prostitution business, right. you, you've got this uh, set of skills. Um, and, and I'm not talking about dirty skills. I'm just saying, you know, you know, you know how that business, business works. Right. Yeah. So why not just take those skills and bring them to something legitimate, like an escort service? Which is what she's done. She made, her, uh, she, she made all of her, her workers, for lack of a better term, sign agreements saying that they would not be engaging in prostitution. So if they were to engage in prostitution, they were in violation of her private contract, Smart. her employment contract. So this is going to be interesting to see this case develop. Your calls about whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We do ask that uh, if you like the website, you like the fact that we give you all the features on it for free, well, we'd like you to voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, and the idea is a simple one. It is that if you like Free Talk Live, you want to help us out a little bit, then send us 3 bucks a month. It's up to you, totally voluntary. In fact, over 370 of our listeners are doing just that, sending us as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and we turn it around into advertising for the show. We promote Free Talk Live to more radio stations and we get on more stations. We get on more people's internet connections and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. And you do get some perks for uh, joining the Amplifier program. You get access to the Amplifier only call-in lines, chat room, and forum. So get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to Kurt in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Kurt. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Great. Great. What's on your mind? Well, I was wondering if you'd heard about the $24 billion Coast Guard upgrade boondoggle. Oh, well, no, no, I've not. I could have added that word myself, but go ahead. <laughs> well, um, I read in, in The Economist this last week, the, the April 21st issue, that they were, they have a, there's a $24 billion plan, plan to upgrade ships, aircraft, communications, and tracking. But they were going to upgrade some 110-foot cutters into 123-foot cutters, and that was scrapped because the first date showed signs of cracking. They ordered eight 418-foot national security cutters. The first one showed structural flaws. 
They're still going to take delivery of the other seven, and it will shorten the life of that, the 30-year lifespan and lead to costly repairs now and down the line. Good Lord. Uh, you know, the government's, and, and it's just not their money. They don't care. Look, if you got a, if you bought a car, a big expensive car, and it showed evidence right away of cracking, what would you do? I'd go and get my warranty uh, taken care of. Right. I'd freak <laughs> out on the salesman that sold it to me. I would be uh, there uh, once a week, every week, at the showroom saying, hey, I've got a lemon here. You've got to do something about it. I want a new car, and I want you to prove to me it's not going to crack again. <laughs> well, this is what happens when you turn everything over to the, to the contractors. They kept everyone in the dark, kept changing performance and design goals. But and I, I, there's one thing I do have to say about it, and if, I hope this is dripping with enough sarcasm. At least the Senate is holding hearings. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Well, you know, the hearings, big deal. It's kind of like Arlen Specter holding hearings. Uh, the Democrats think, oh, we have a Republican who's siding with us, and then nothing comes of it investigating anything. Ooh, yeah, don't hold a hearing. Yeah, That's going to change it. Washington. Well, yeah, and you know, this this actually comes to play when uh, it, when I was thinking about that that piece that I was writing that's over at Mises now because I was thinking about you know the the rationale for limited government people is that the only justified government is that government which protects us and our property from encroachments by others. We form a government, a national government, to defend us against other nation states. So they say. They say, and then if you look at it, you say to yourself, and and Locke I think made a mistake by saying that you know somehow it's excusable to take your property uh, against your will for your own defense and and it gets very complicated you look at this coast guard issue you say okay we assume many people assume that government can take your money against your will and fund your de- the defense force that's supposedly what it, it, it the only just paradox reason it is a bit it. of a yeah. paradox yes. well how much is enough what if you don't want it spent on the coast guard what if you protest this and so then you start to see that all of these intellectual assumptions that they have about government existing for your defense are not not really supportable because when it comes down to it, everybody has different levels of what they think would be an appropriate defense. Look mm. at this boondoggle in the Coast Guard. You know, many people would say it's ridiculous. Other people would say, well, it's part and parcel to what what the Coast Guard has to do. We have to accept these expenses. I don't want to accept them, but right. I still but have if to you pay. don't, if you don't accept them, they'll send their goon squad over to your house and throw you in a jail cell. And the best we're going to get is a Senate investigation. Yeah. No, I don't want to choose. I don't want to spend my money on that. I want to. I want a private, private organization that'll protect the docks and our seas. I think we need defense from the government. Thank yeah, you, Kurt. Well I agree. Appreciate the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is the this is the ultimate paradox that the minarchists like Mark have to deal with. Is is that they believe in this you know miniature government that only protects our person and property? But then, if you decide you don't agree with what that government's doing, that same government that's supposed to be protecting your person and property is then the agency that's threatening your person and property. But yet, if that agency comes and threatens your person and property, whereas any normal be- uh, band of thugs that were to come and threaten your property, you know, say I come to your house, gardener, and say get the hell out and yeah. point a gun at you, sure. you'd have the absolute right to pull your weapon and shoot me over that but if you have a badge on and a uniform on and you're the government 
Then all of a sudden, if I shoot you, or if, if you shoot me, or if I shoot you as the government at that point, then I am, in the eyes of everyone, just a terrible person. Yeah. How dare I defend myself against the government? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the standing paradox. up to the legal. It's the baby in the bathwater. And know? it's difficult, you know, and, and it, it doesn't mean that these are mutually exclusive. Uh, for many people who can't quite make those st- those final steps over to the uh, free marketeer side, the, 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 the anarchy side, as some people might say, uh, and I think you've done a great job to, to, to depict it more on, on the appropriate side, the free market side. Yes. Uh, because you will come up with structures, but there won't be any government. Um, if people are unwilling to, to n- make those steps, I think that there is a fulfilling uh, intellectual process in being able to say, look, I'd like to challenge the government assumptions as much as possible. I'd like to have taxation happen as little as possible, even if you can't agree that, you know, some people won't come as far as we would, but they could they could say, oh, you know, I'll investigate it anyway and see, oh, may- maybe I could go with you on that. Maybe we could do that. I liked how you pointed out that there's this wide variation amongst every individual of what level of protection is right for them. You can't, you can't and, get unanimity. Well, not only can you not get unanimity from individuals as far as deciding on what level of protection is right, but the government couldn't possibly ever provide the no, different right. levels of protection, yeah, whereas yeah. the marketplace can. Yeah. The marketplace can provide whatever people in the, uh, the market are demanding. Right. And so if you, all you want is a couple locks on your door, you can go and buy those locks, have, you have someone install them, and if you want armed guards protecting you 24-7, if you can afford it, you can have that too. So the marketplace will, uh, will allow for both of those extremes and everything in between. Yeah. I think that um, what my concern is is that if we were invaded, what would, we would be attacked by is a, um, a big, dangerous, coercive government that has managed to uh, siphon off money from its uh, constituents mm-hmm. to uh, amass an army to uh, attack us with. And it concerns me, um, you know, to, to have my, uh, you know, my local volunteer uh, fire department slash militia to be the only thing to go up against this uh, huge behemoth. That's the reason I think that we had a federal government in the first place was to sort of control the I guess the it would military. make sense. I mean, it would make sense that this, you know, that scare tactic would, would work on people because it's very effective. It sounds very scary. The idea that people are going to, you know, some evil government from around the world is going to come in here. So we need to have our own evil government to tax and enslave us in order to protect us from the evil evil government that's theoretically going to come in and tax and enslave us. I mean, it's an, it's an absurd suggestion, first and foremost. And secondly, evidence just doesn't support it. Iraq, their government was defeated for sure, and the U.S. government has taken the reins of what was left over after the Iraqi government lost. But then the, uh, the insurgents have been doing an okay job of uh, fighting off the world's most powerful military mm. with homemade bombs. Well, I've said it time and again. Um, I'll be happy to uh, go with you to small government. Mm. And then once we get to small government, like really small government, government so small that nobody would care about no government at that point, a federal government so small that it barely intrudes on people's lives and probably funds itself through some means like tariffs or something inconsequential. Right. Because it wouldn't need a lot of funding. Um once we get there, then we can look at I hope we never get there. Aspect, you, you know, know what? I hope we never get there. I hope that instead we see secession first. <laughs> you know, I was going to mention something, um, and, and actually I was thinking about what you brought up, Mark, and, and Ian, you touched upon it. Um, the, if you look at the, the differences in efficiencies between the large statist states and the small statist states, the USSR versus the, the American economy, mm-hmm. the, the productive 
semi-capitalized American economy was able to outperform the Soviet totalitarian, Sovietized socialist economy to such an extent that we had so much expendable capital that we could fund a, a war machine, or at least in this case, in most cases, a defense machine against the Soviet Union mm-hmm. that just outperformed them dramatically, technologically, in every way. They were bankrupting themselves. Right. They, they so, were putting everything they possibly right. could into their right. military machine, and they just couldn't get enough productivity out of right. their people because their people weren't incentivized. Now, take that example and place it into a totally free market-oriented regime where you say, okay, what sort of defense forces are we looking for? We have insurance-like companies that say, provide us with what you want, your interests in Let's come back and expound on that a little bit. 800-259-9231. How it is that the wealth that would be created in a free market would go go much further towards protecting uh, a people from an invading force than any violent government ever could. More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features on our site are completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. I want to get back into the discussion about the free market and how it can provide defensive services. We'll do that in a moment, but Jason's been waiting patiently on the line, on the amplifier line. Jason in Pennsylvania, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Hey. Jason. What's on your mind? Some very interesting things happening in Pennsylvania these days. Um, We have a uh, governor who's in his second term, uh, was the former mayor of Philadelphia, he's a Democrat, and uh, though... He's a big government Democrat. He's, he's actually doing some things that are taking steps in the right direction toward liberty, but liberty through big government, which seems like a contradiction in terms. But uh, a couple of things he's doing is uh, he sponsored legislation and, and actually it passed a couple of years ago uh, allowing for uh, gaming in the state of Pennsylvania, slot machines, mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, which uh, was very... Uh, very um, hard fought against by the uh, Republicans, uh, but indeed it did pass. Um, the latest thing that he's he's come up with is a plan to um, help fund uh, state roads. I don't know if you heard, we had some big problems this past year with snow and, and uh, people being stuck on some of our interstates for several days because of poor state snow removal. Okay. Um, so he's, he's actually thrown around the idea of privatizing the state highway system hmm. and leasing out the very first turnpike that uh, was ever in existence in the United States, which is uh, Interstate 76 mm-hmm. across the Senate of Pennsylvania. And he, he's also talked about uh, leasing out Route 80, which is not a toll road currently. But uh, he it's thinks a pretty unusual, a pretty unusual perspectives to come from any state governor, That's let alone a, a Democrat. I thought so myself. Um, So I'm just very interested in following the story, and I thought you guys would be interested to hear about that. Um, Very cool. There's another story that's hit uh, the state of Pennsylvania that I don't know if it's 
uh, it made national headlines or not, but uh, there was a, a big anti-gun law uh, rally here at the state capitol where um, there's a, a senator from the, I think, Philadelphia area, um, last name of Cruz, um, who introduced gun legislation which would require every citizen in the state of Pennsylvania to uh, pay a $10 annual gun licensing fee and have to register their guns and um, you know, have them counted and, and oh, all boy. that good stuff. Um, there was a, a gentleman, there are two gentlemen who showed up at this rally with a sign stating that uh, Cruz should be hung from the Tree of Liberty for acts of treason against the Constitution, hmm. which, you know, pretty impactful uh, message. Well, it got so much attention that these guys are now being investigated oh, for uh, racist and terroristic threats. Yeah, that's you got to be. You really got to be careful. I mean, when you're talking about hanging someone, the government officials are going to take that really personally. And they, we had, I guess, Rick Stanley on our show in the past, and it's our his interviews archived at our guest page at freetalklive.com. But he was brought up on charges for threatening a judge, which the allegation uh, was, I guess, they they said he was threatening a judge. He just simply had said something to the effect of that the, you know, the, the militia, the militia in his state was going to bring them up on treason charges or something like that. And I don't think yeah, they actually... talk about that story. Yeah, I don't think they actually physically threatened the judge, but, you know, they'll take it, they'll use any excuse they can get to bring out uh, those sorts of uh, charges against you. You know, you bring, you bring to mind a fanciful notion that maybe I'll put in a script sometime, although in real life it, it could never possibly work and people would look at it as just being incredibly awful that someone would, a group of people would set this up. But imagine going to one of these anti-gun rallies with a group of people and it, it would have, it would end up having the, the reverse effect, but... It, it could prove it would make a great point. Unfortunately, nobody would get it. I, I probably, but mm. if you had a group of people go to one of these rallies to infiltrate it intentionally with squibs of blood under their shirts, and you have two people, one of whom pulls out <laughs> a, a fake semi-automatic weapon and starts firing off rounds at these people as if he's freaking out. And all these people are going down, boom, 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 and then another guy comes out with his fake gun and fires it at the other guy and saves hypothetically saves all these other lives right and then they all get up and they say by the way are you still in favor of gun control hmm but you couldn't do it because it would be seen as too harsh too oh yeah it'd be really extreme yeah and it's well, you know imagine that uh, there's a good chance that if there was any police standing around that somebody really right. would get shot yeah good point. Exactly. exactly thank you jason thanks for the update and uh, good luck hey, continuing there uh, yes, sir? Anybody in Pennsylvania that, that uh, can can uh, rally behind this uh, privatization of the roads, you know, step forward and, and uh, make yourself heard. Good idea. Right on, dude. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. i got to Google that. That's, that's really interesting. So we were talking in the last segment of the, the last hour about free market defense. And Mark yeah. brought up the old canard of, well, we need government to keep us safe from the evil, other evil governments in the world. And, uh, you know, on its face, that may sound legitimate, but Garter, you had started to talk about how the wealth in a free market society would be so intense, would be so much greater than the rest of the world, that how would that sort of uh, parlay into an an effective market-based volunteer uh, voluntary defense well i think i think what happens when you think about it is it, you bring up thoughts like like marx logically applies and 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 it, you say okay look uh you've got government 
oriented against a group of people who might not be, they might be loosely affiliated, hypothetically. Let's say this is the first part of your thought process. You've got these people that don't have a government. You've got a government which can forcibly take money from people, can direct an economy towards building these weapons and so on and so mm -hmm. forth, and they're targeting you. And you think to yourself, oh, now, wait a minute. That's what the Soviet Union was trying to do to the United States. And when they opened up the KGB files, they found, yeah, when they took South Yemen, they tried all these different things, you know, in Central America with Che Guevara. They were trying to infiltrate these things. And a lot of the anti-communist guys were right. They were absolutely right. You know, Robert Conquest was right about the Soviet Union and nobody would listen to him. So uh, you say to yourself, OK, that's what the Soviet Union was trying to do for 50 some years 60 years 70 years 80 years and their economy uh for various reasons their expansionist soviet state collapsed in on itself while our semi-capitalistic state was able to create the wealth and productivity and prosperity that allowed us to fund greater technology and so on and so forth so you say to yourself okay that step in the thought process seems sensible to me that if people are allowed to be free, it frees up more productive capital to then invest in defense, which can just skyrocket on a curve past any directed economy. Okay. Right, because you don't need as much uh, – it's easier to defend any given area than it is to go on the offense. Sure, sure. And um, so it wouldn't even cost as much to defend as it would to spend on all this you know, military yeah, stuff yeah. that we have today. That's true, although, yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah. And with competition involved – There'd be this whole other factor that isn't even in play that's, today at all. That's it. That's the key. And and um and when I was working on that that article, I thought, okay, well, look, you know, I know that there are going to be some people who are going to be reading this. I got to be pretty strict on how I'm figuring this out. So you go, okay, look, uh, how would you come forward? And this is something that people have in coffee table conversation till three in the morning among libertarians. If you wanted to have a stateless society, how would you come up with this large-scale defense? You won't call it – maybe you won't call it national defense. You'll call it something else, but it's large-scale defense. Mm -hmm. And you think, okay, well, maybe there would be small pockets of defense organizations, and they would have to coordinate with each other. Well, yeah, that might work. Well, okay, uh, we'll, we'll put aside the gangland idea that people fear that there could be gangsterism, one police force fighting another police force – National Defense Force fighting another. That's but you don't have to put that aside because it's not realistic. Yeah, I just I just postpone it. I shouldn't say put it aside permanently just for the sake of the conversation. Okay. We'll get to that in a moment. And 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 I think what happens is as you start to think about it, you say, well, look, how would people start to invest in this potential, uh, this this uh, protection against this potential threat that Mark brings up. And the way it would work is there would be agencies, much like insurance agencies, that would say, we are going to offer our services. And even because a lot of people say that I should point this out before the break. A lot of people say it's tough for these undifferentiated groups to defend themselves unless they're attacked. And by then it's too late. But insurance is the way to go. More on the way. 800-259-9231. Mark looks confused. We'll find out why he's confused. And uh, take your calls about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Show's Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version waiting for you for free 
at freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Pork Fest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Pork Fest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, as well as talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. We're talking about the idea of free market defense. It's a scary idea for a lot of people, the idea of uh, letting go of their government security blanket and putting the market in charge of defense, whether it be defending you from a common thug on the street or an entire military that might be invading my position, and apparently, guard, you agree with me on this, is sure. that the market can handle it. Yeah, I think I think uh, I I do agree with you. I think uh, there are a lot of people who have very uh, great fears, and I think uh, it's it's a it's a long intellectual process to be able to investigate these things because there are a lot of questions that crop up. Well, I think that first um, we should we should get on the same page as sure. to what you and I think. Right. Right. Um, like we would both agree that we should bring back our troops from the 600, 700 military bases that the United States has around the world, right? Absolutely. So um, we would both agree on that, and we would both agree that we probably don't need, um, you know, a gigantic navy with uh, deep water ships to uh, go around the world, aircraft carriers, that kind of thing, because that's really to. Um, prosecute a war in a foreign country rather than to defend this one. I don't know. You know, I I might feel that it would be good to have those things on hand. Um, uh, but you know, I'd have to assess how much I thought things cost and things like that. And uh, you know, uh, when the politicians decide, I don't really have to exercise that intellectual responsibility because they're all deciding for me, and I don't have much say. If mm-hmm. I was hiring a private company and seeing how much I wanted to invest, I'd say. And do I want to pay for a, a, a you know defense force that could go abroad that could have you know six cruisers and battleships and air you know aircraft carriers in the Gulf of Hormuz or something mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, four I don't know I'm not sure so but I I do agree with you that uh, the expenditure is very very high and clearly there's a lot of inefficiency and waste I don't know whether or not having all those would tend to get us towards becoming aggressive or if I would feel more comfortable if we had that many for defense. Um, so I think that we would both agree that a, a, a different policy than what we have now, the foreign inter, um, adventurism, that kind of thing, yes. that uh, the, the wars that we fight now um, are I'd like to the, point out I don't fight any wars right now. Right. The wars yes. the United States yes. fights right yes. now, um, you know, he doesn't ally himself with any, in any way with the United States, so we can't use yeah. the terminology. And, and I guess we can't even use the word uh, war because they're just really military conflicts. They never declared war. Well, I just sure. don't like collectivism, and I, yeah. I want to make sure and I eliminate we, it from my vocabulary. Right. And right. when I hear that word, I'm still guilty of using it, and so I want to make, make it so I'm aware of it when it's used and, and correct strict. myself or right correct on. you. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want to be included in that we. Thank you. Okay. Fine. Yeah, absolutely right. Hey, we'll on. let you guys get back to it here yeah. in a moment. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Lance is on the line in San Francisco. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hey, guys. I was having probably this exact same conversation with my brother maybe like two or three days ago. Yeah. Because I've been talking about like free market things and stuff like that. And it, it seems to me like I couldn't, I couldn't break the argument because there's so many situations in history which show that nations conquer small like areas. Like the the Native Americans got conquered, the Celts got conquered by the Romans, the uh, you know all those barbarians got conquered by the Romans in Northern Europe. So it seems so so difficult to think of a loose confederation of people defending themselves against such a gigantic power like that. 
Yeah, it's a great point. Um, well, I, first of all, it's not fair to it's not really fair to go back and compare primitive uh, sort of technologies with what we have today. Uh, and so I don't I think that's sort of apples and oranges to some extent. Yes, the history of humanity has been violence against other humans. There's no doubt about that. So it's certainly a serious issue that that needs to be looked at. But looking at the today's Roman and, the, and the barbarians, they're pretty they're pretty evenly matched. I mean, it's kind of like M16s and AK47s now. It's pretty would, much would the you same but thing, wouldn't you know? agree though that uh that the the United States military and the Iraqi insurgents are definitely not evenly matched? Oh, completely. But we have we have this political culture in this nation right now, which kind of which very much hinders our ability to be as holding the back. And ruthless as like the Nazis and the you know the communists and stuff like that. Like there's still a large well, percentage of people like you and myself who are like, hey, I don't want to go into a village and murder innocent people, and I, I I'd like to see that culture continue. To to it seems uh, like that uh, there's. There's also that other side of the coin, which is like a culture somewhere else can easily develop that. Well, and let me wouldn't care, and they'll just. I'd like to address uh, your point about the the ancient cultures. Um, in many of those instances, those ancient cultures were not free market cultures; they weren't capitalistic cultures. I mean, you know, the analogy is is interesting on its face. But why when aren't you the look in, at why it, aren't the Indians uh, free market or um, capitalistic? Uh, the Indians were. Tribal, okay, and, and but I mean they they, didn't, they traded crap with each yeah, other and, and stuff, and and they I think if you if you look at I, I just want to look at Europe first, and the okay. Indians I think is an excellent example uh, to look at later. But as far as the uh, the Europeans go, uh, if you look at Ireland, they did have kings, they had uh, they had lords, no, they and had so tribal on. chiefs back then. They yeah, they had tribal chiefs, like... but those tribal chiefs became kings. I mean, you look at some of the those, particularly in Ireland. Uh, and if you look at, uh, for example, ancient Iceland, uh, Viking Age Iceland, uh, they lasted for 500 years, and the only thing that drove them out uh, in, a, in, a, in essentially a, a free market laissez-faire system that they had uh, was not any military conquest or anything like that. It was the change of the temperature. The Indians, I think, is quite interesting because they had essentially organized warfare against each other in many cases. Mm-hmm. They had certain areas. So I, it... It's interesting. I want to investigate that further, but you guys go ahead and continue your your analysis. Well, I I don't know. I mean, it it, it that's what my concerns are. Is yeah. my concern is is that in the void of uh, government, um, which I feel like that's the final place that government, um, that the, the final spot that government has a place mm-hmm. is protecting us militarily from other governments. Um, I think that that is its minimum use and the one that I would like to see. Uh, I, that's my concern, is that uh, some other government, for whatever reason, will feel like, oh, my God, those people in America, they're being oppressed. Let's get in there and help. Lance, any other thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that one possible type of solution would be, because, you know, it takes time for a culture to develop. Mm. And it seems like if, if there was a free market type of culture, which has been developed over 200 years, it would get a lot harder to be able to to organize a, 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 another um, government to take us over. I think the most the most important critical time would be if we went to a free market type society would be maybe like the the first twenty or thirty or forty years. I think after that, the the whole you know generations will have grown up under this free market system and loyalties like community loyalties. You know, I know you don't like the word collectivism and stuff like that, but I mean you, you really do look at your neighbor and your neighbor looks at you, and you know we all live together here. So I think if if we all saw, saw ourselves like solidarity, like solidly independent, 
and I mean, I'm just trying to think of like a mindset where we would, where we would have, where they're both individualistic, but also would want to. Sure, I mean theoretically, the common defense. Theoretically, that's where I mean we would want things to go, and yeah. if if these insurance companies were providing yeah, defensive capabilities, then, you know, the marketplace would be handling it. But, but I still want to address some of the, your friends' concerns, and Lance, uh, thank you, and stay tuned for those. 800-259-9231. We need to compare the history of warfare um, versus what we have today and how the free market society be different. It's Free Talk Live. You're listening to GCN, the Genesis Communications Radio Network. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up a U1 on the Sickle CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. That includes the bulletin board system. Over 210,000 posts, over 1,400 people interacting. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all. And it's all free bbs.freetalklive.com. We'll get you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. People want to talk about this issue of uh, free market defense. We're going to get to the calls here in a moment. But uh, just a few thoughts so far. Because yeah. we had Lance call in. He said he was having this very discussion with a friend of his recently or his yeah. brother or something. And uh, he wasn't really getting anywhere. And this is a tough issue. I myself am, am fairly new to uh, this particular, taking this particular side of it. But I don't think, first of all, it's, I don't think it's entirely fair to use history as uh, as an example of what would happen in the future. Okay, yes, the history of mankind is a violent one, with mankind conquering other other men and taking their lands and doing terrible things to uh, the women and children and all of that. And getting confronted with facts is just so... Ugh, just It's just so annoying. Well, it, the, the fact is, Mark, um, <laughs> uh-huh. things are different today than they were 200 years ago. <laughs> they are. Uh, we happen to live in a country where there's uh, a, a very widespread amount of gun ownership. And I'd like to point out that in the beginning, at least... Uh, to my understanding, Indians didn't have guns when white man was coming over and demolishing them. I'm they sure eventually some, got their hands had, on some. Right. I'm sure plenty of them ha- um, had guns and, and lots of different, uh, you know. It, we it took ran, a little time for that to happen. We dealt well, with the in- Indians for hundreds of years. It was also interesting because um, it, there are various stories that uh, I've, I've looked up a little bit on, on the Indians. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't know enough about the Indian culture, the various national na- Indian nations, to be able to explain it all uh, very thoroughly or even understand it as, as well as I would like to. But um, they often didn't have private property rights in certain areas, and they had other private property rights in other areas. So for like hunting, they didn't have property rights, but they had property mm-hmm. rights to certain nations, had property rights to uh, rivers and things like that. So trade, if you look at the the weaponry and the the power of the West, of the Western European nations coming over to America, they had advantages specifically because they had infusions of capitalism 
during uh, periods of the Renaissance and and uh, even after that during the 1700s and 1800s. And um, it's to the it was to the disadvantage of the American Indian that they didn't have that. Now they did do trading though, and so the question is. Can you say that every nation would be like Viking Age Iceland, where they were safe, they had defense forces, and they were laissez-faire? Or would you have situations like Mark brought up? What about the American Indians getting slaughtered by government entities uh, in the United States, particularly under Abraham Lincoln uh, and and others? What about enslavement? And the only thing that I would add is for people to explore is um, the, the question that arises, I think, is people say, well, look, if we have these differentiated pockets of, of laissez-faire groups where there isn't a government, everything's based on capitalism, would they recognize the need for self-defense in a large way? Would it be strong enough uh, unless they got attacked? Would they say, no, we're going to spend our money in other ways. We're not worried about these people. And what if they made a mistake? So then you say, well, you know, that's why insurance companies came into existence, because people do want to hedge against those possibilities. They do want to invest and, and guard against natural disasters, and sometimes they don't have enough. But on the whole, people start to take actions, and they would invest in private market forces. The question then arises, which is the final point that you brought up, Ian, uh, what if they invest in these market forces and there are differing market defense forces that are ready to attack each other. How do you get around that? And the, what I say is... It's You're talking about not, the gangland? Yeah, the gangland. Well, that's a whole separate issue. That okay. uh, The reason why that's not sustainable and it's yes. not is simply because the gangs in that particular case, the what theoretically would be in private insurers fighting one another, yeah. um, first of all, they don't have the printing press. That's the first and most important factor of any governmental war is that they're funded not through confiscatory taxation, but through inflation, through uh, through turning on the printing press and literally printing out the money that they need to purchase the bombs and and the tanks. And these businesses would have to rely on people who are saying, hey, you're not working in my best interest anymore. The the government certainly have um, uh, survived on confiscatory taxation in the past and and, uh, and propagated wars based on that. I mean, that's not... Not like this government... uh, Not like this government today oh, I, I would absolutely concur you're not talking about uh, the only reason you know, the american government's military is as big as it is today is because of the federal reserve that's a fact the rest of the governments around the world if they tried to mount an attack right now on any on the united states population it would be an insane move because not only would they have to deal with armed individuals defending their households in their neighborhoods but they'd also have to, to uh, defend against armed individuals in the form of militias, in addition to the insurance companies and the private defense providers. There'd be different tiers of, uh, of defense to, uh, to the way the, the free market system would, uh, would be set up. Yeah. But, but again, just to jump back into that, the, uh, the gangland atmosphere isn't sustainable because theoretically these insurance companies would be funding themselves on a voluntary basis and people would stop paying for uh, this sort of conquering. Also... The, the individuals that they would have to pay to do their dirty work, the people that would actually be the foot soldiers, would be dying, and so therefore they'd raise their rates as well. And again, this company wouldn't have the ability to just print out script. They wouldn't be able to pay them with the fiat currency like the government does for its soldiers today. And so it just it's just not sustainable. Yes, it's possible that someone could go violent. And and turn against some other uh, some of their own countrymen, but they just wouldn't they wouldn't last you know, very long. You know, uh, th- this is just fascinating. I want to investigate this further because uh, and, and on my own and do some reading and, and, and writing on this because Mark, you know, we, when you brought up the European uh, cultures, 
uh, and and the and the the Romans uh, again. You know, I think to myself, gee, you know, much like the Indians were at the loss because they didn't have these market structures that had been in place in the West that helped develop things. You know, bringing over gunpowder, making it extremely useful after it was invented in China. Uh, the ships that brought these guys over, uh, the food that kept them healthy, and you know, kept them out there going up against the Indians. Uh, over in Europe, the the Romans, similar way, they established huge trade zones, uh, even under the Roman Empire in some cases. They still allowed for a, a great deal of trade. So you say, how much advantage did trade give them within those statist structures that allowed them? And why didn't that develop in, say, you know, the British Isles as much as it did it, was it is it a cultural phenomenon as well uh, education uh, it's it's fascinating it's let's fascinating. talk to rob in atlanta you're on free talk live with ian gardner and mark hey 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 yeah, rob um, i just wanted to weigh in on this free market defense thing yes sir um well i think that that the united states is uniquely poised to be really the best place to implement a real free market and when i say a real free market i'm not talking about the sort of thing that Chairman Mao Edge is referring to. Why do I have to take all about show? Oh my God, Ian is insane. Sort of free market. Okay. Um, this country is actually better poised to do that for a couple of reasons. One, much better access to technology as far as creating we- weaponry. If we had a real free market here, you know, the sort of thing that MacGyver was innovating would be like kindergarten stuff compared to the sort of things that free minds could be able to in- innovate in this country should it be necessary to really defend it like that. Mm-hmm. The the other thing for me, and this is a big issue for me, I think that the primary impediment for a real free market economy springing up somewhere in the world is, in fact, the U.S. government. Mm. So if we were to get rid of the U.S. government, I think that would be the primary people you'd have to ever worry about invading and installing a government in the first place. I don't think other countries don't, generally speaking, look to go installing governments. I mean, it's always the U.S. that's pushing for that sort of thing. Well, China does want to invade Thailand, but yeah, for the most part, it is pretty much the U.S. government. Yeah, but I mean, and, and Thailand, at least there's some sort of there's sort of, some sort of ancestral history sort of thing. I mean, if if there is is quote-unquote anarchy in um, Somalia, China doesn't want to invade Somalia to install a government. That's true, but the U.N. does, and so I guess maybe the U.N. might be another factor. If you've got another point, hang on, Rob. We'll bring it back. 800-259-9231. More about this in maybe your call, if we got time for it. We might be able to slip you in. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, maybe enough time for your call. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CII toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. And, uh, by the way, we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff over at Amazon. You know them, the world's largest Internet retailer, Amazon.freetalklive.com, is how you enter if you want a percentage of your purchase to go to Free Talk Live. The prices are still the same great prices, still the same great free Super Saver shipping deals, still the same 40 categories that you can shop from. It's Amazon. It's just that when you enter through Amazon.freetalklive.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. It's a sweet deal. You get what you want. We get a cut. Everybody's happy. Amazon.freetalklive.com. I think we saw Rob in Georgia. You're back on Free Talk Live. No, he's gone. Rob's gone? Yes. Okay, so the board op's telling you who's gone now. Alrighty then. So, no, no, actually I have Rob on the uh, IM. Oh, you're IMing him. <laughs> All right, so Rob's gone. So we're still talking about the idea of free market defense. 
and uh, and how the marketplace would be able to handle defense more effectively, more economically, and just better overall than the government. Current. And they might not fly in on an aircraft carrier four years ago today and say mission accomplished. I've got uh, just a couple more points on this, and I know you may have some more guys as well, but I also wanted to point out that the history of wars, with the exception of, of certain, certainly there are some exceptions, but basically the history of wars is governments fighting governments. And uh, governments go in, they fight what another people's government. Con- con- um, people's conquering peoples? I mean, isn't that, uh, I mean... To some extent, what we're talking about there, I mean, cultures, uh, you know, usually like a lot of times you'll have cultures that hate each other that are living right next to each other. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's generally for Eskimos don't hate Bushmen because Eskimos have never seen Bushmen. Bushmen, on the other hand, dislike. I don't know. I'm making up tribes now here. I don't know a lot about Africa. Um, Tutsis uh, because they're nearby. So, okay. I mean, you know, there's there's cultural conflicts there. I, I understand that. But typically it's governments that, that fight governments. And then what usually happens is there's, you know, there's the government soldiers that are there in that country defending so-called the country. And then once they get defeated, they turn over all their equipment. They turn over all of their uh, structure to the invading government. Usually they're the people that are around as well. And for the most part, they just, you know, do whatever the ruling force says they should do. Uh, and as I pointed out, in the free market situation, we'd have different levels of defense. You'd have the defense companies, whose job it would be to defend uh, the country or defend the area. Then you'd have you know, individual militias. You'd also have individuals defending their own households. So there'd be, I think there'd be a lot more defense in the free market America than what we currently even have today. Mm. But uh, beyond that... There's no government structure to take over in the free market. There's no presidency to defeat. You can't defeat. get your there's, hands on the strings of power. Right. right. There's, there's no infrastructure. You can't take over um, you know, one guy's position, put a gun to his head and say, hey, listen, if you're not on my side, you're a dead man. Yeah. Or if he um, – and, and if he um, agrees, then you know, you're in, in like Flynn. And if he disagrees, you shoot him and you put somebody else in his place. And there's only one side. There's only the invading force. There's no other sides. There's multiple insurance companies in a market basis defending different – different areas of, of land, that sort of thing. And who knows, as you pointed out, Guard, what the free market would revolutionize in the way of affordable, effective defense. We have no idea what sort of defensive mechanisms would be come up with. It would be much more effective than what we have today. And secondly, there'd be no rules. So, for instance, if, Gardner, you're the dictator of whatever nation, whatever country is going to invade, uh, let's just say it's New Hampshire. Let's yeah. just say New Hampshire goes free market and the rest of the United States is same old U.S. Yeah. If you're this dictator that wants to invade the uh, the free market of New Hampshire, you have to remember that the defense organizations that are defending the, uh, the people in that state, they've never signed any international treaties. They've never said, well, we're going to not assassinate any uh, political leaders, because that's what all these other countries have done. They've signed on and said, okay, here are the rules of conflict. Here are the rules of war. One of the rules is you can't assassinate the leaders of the country. Well, (laughs) that rule would be out the window. And so you, as the man who wanted to invade New Hampshire, would immediately have a very, very expensive target placed on your head by the defense organizations. Now, now maybe the defense organizations would send out their own hit squads against you and your your right your right hand man or whatever, or maybe they just offer this nice little bounty in addition and say, hey, anybody can collect this bounty. You bring us the head of Gardner Goldsmith, we'll pay you five million dollars. 
Well, I'm, I'm sure that uh, somebody could have counted on a great deal of money from Saddam Hussein, especially if somebody went uh, prospecting him for, for that money, if, if they would have uh, brought him in the head of George W. Bush. But dictators have a tendency to insulate themselves um, you know, uh, in a vanguard of uh, big men with suits and automatic weapons. Um, sure. You know, so I don't know how, uh, how effective necessarily what you're talking about is going to be. I mean, it, you, if if I'm going to wage war on New Hampshire, now I would concur with you, it will be much more difficult to take over New Hampshire um, without a, an existing government infrastructure than it is with it. Uh, you know, if I if I wanted to take over New Hampshire with a government, I go to Concord. I look for that building with a big uh, gold dome. Yeah. I go there and uh, you know I start holding bureaucrats and uh, elected officials hostage. And I tell them, look, I own this place now. Don't you agree? Yes. Yeah, you've got the guns. You know, right. you know what I find fascinating is exploring, uh, and, and you can only, it, it's difficult historically, as we, as we were saying, to be able to uh, investigate all the different factors that might have caused well, none of one us are culture to fall to another culture and things like that. Yeah. Um, just but, know, we know just enough to be dangerous. Right, right. Uh, but it's interesting on, a, on an abstract intellectual level to say, okay, theoretically, uh, do you think that the forces of capitalism, that people would recognize the advantages to remaining peaceful and creating free market institutions that insulate them and protect them from encroachments by, let's say, governments or from other free market institutions that might be arising in in another area among people they just don't like, the people who have the red hair or the people who have the blue eyes or whatever. I think we have be. a long way to go to get to the point where people, um, you know, recognize free market uh, philosophies and and uh, they don't even know what the free market is. What's that? People don't even know no, what the free market is. Don't. Some people think we have that today. They, they, you know, they've been well, told that you know, we they do. Don't, uh, but this is the thing. If, uh, they don't necessarily have to in some cases if the institutions are, av- if the institutions are allowed to grow, if they are not prevented Which from growing. Are we about? For example, um, insurance companies started to grow before government said, hey, we need insurance. Now insurance companies are getting mauled by governments <laughs> that are telling them how to do their business. And we're seeing that the insurance companies are getting screwed and people's well, insurance rates are going way up. I think we can make, I think you can make that point by point. I think you can talk about smaller government or small government mm. point by point. But I think when, uh, when it's the broad topic of letting the market handle, um, I think especially things that, uh, the, the government has always had the purview of violence, yeah. you know, uh, policing, uh, armies, you know, all that stuff. That's where it really gets on shaky ground uh, for people. Uh, Toll free, 800-259-9231. Let's sneak in uh, Ryan. I mean, this has been a fa- fascinating yeah. c- uh, conversation, but Ryan is on the line, and you can take control of the airwaves in California. Hey, Ryan. Hey, uh, I wanted to respond to uh, Richard, the Leo that called in uh, from Miami on Saturday. Yes, law enforcement officer. Uh, he, sure. he had uh, suggested that uh, his experience uh, in uh, dealing with 14-year-olds uh, who wanted to break out of the house to go buy pot, uh, that this this was a uh, reason to support the drug war, because he, he sees how uh, terrible this situation is between kids and their parents, or teenagers and their parents. That was his suggestion. And I just wanted to suggest that it's kind of uh, awful that uh, a parent would be trying to force a 14-year-old kid to stay in the house. Um, I think that's kind of a Rothbardian idea, that at the point when the kid can get up and uh, get out of the house and uh, you know um, engage in the free market to get what he wants, that uh, he sort of liberated himself from his parents. 
Well, um, I, I, I don't think you're going to find a lot of parents uh, backing you up on that particular one. Yeah, if he's but being a brat, could, then the parents I, should be able to keep him in the damn house. I think, well, what if the parents, What? Uh, no, you shouldn't be saying that. You should be agreeing with him. With uh, no, I think if that if so you're living under someone else's roof, then you have to live by their rules. Oh. Well, that's what I'm, but I also mean that the parents should be able to kick them out. I right, mean, if you're, and, you know, if not you're, let if him you back have in. to call the police officers to keep, uh, to keep him in line. Um, you should be able to say, well, look, okay, if you break out to go get your pot, well, then I'm not going to let you stay here anymore. I understand where you're coming from, but uh, probably it seems to me that a, a better argument towards um, you know, what he was talking about is 14-year-olds do that over video games, girls, and all kinds of things that are illegal. Are, are we going to outlaw – excuse me, that are, that are legal. Um, are we going to outlaw – teenage girls now because well, the, teenage boys might break out of their houses in order to go find them because the I know I did. The other point one could make on that and I didn't on, on Saturday night was that uh, okay he's bringing this example up of why drugs are so bad but wait a minute that's illegal. Marijuana is illegal and the 14 year old is still going out and getting his hands on marijuana so it's clear that the illegal status of this drug hasn't done anything uh, to make things better for this family. Well the cop the cop <laughs> did admit that they have lost um, horribly lost that's the true. war on drugs at this point. So, R Ryan your final thoughts. Oh, I also wanted to mention that uh, I've started reading The Market for Liberty and uh, a book that it reminds me of in certain ways um, is a book by Walter Block called Defending the Undefendable. So I don't oh, yes. to I've read that, that too. Uh, it's very good. Thank you for the call, Ryan. Uh, otherwise, we appreciate thank you. It. Yeah, thank you. Suggestions. Someone actually sent me that, Defending the Undefendable. It's all about, you know, essentially defending people. drug dealers and mm -hmm. prostitutes and the so-called dregs of society. It's interesting, and I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, all right, so it's been Ian here with you. Oh, wow. This is the end. And guard. This is it, yeah. With my Shoot. mark. Well, we'll be back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime. And Gardner, of course, will join us uh, next week. Thanks. And uh, join us online at freetalklive.com. Don't forget to join Guard on his website at libertyconspiracy.com. We'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.